Hello and welcome to this episode of Radio Free HPC. This is the show where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and other tech topics. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by our co-hosts, Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions, Shaheen Khan from Orion X, and Jesse Lanham, our millennial standout co-host. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome everybody to another fantastic edition and scintillating of Radio Free HPC. I'm Dan Olds, as always, and with me, as always, is Shaheen Khan down in the valley. How's it going, Shaheen? I'm doing very well, Dan Oates. Things are going well, and I'm delighted that we have resumed our scintillating episodes. Yes, we have. Uh, we also have Jesse, who is in California right now, but normally calls West Lafayette, Indiana home while she's at Purdue. Hello, Dan. Hi, Jesse. How are you doing? How are you doing today? I'm okay. Uh, we also have to discuss a milestone for Jesse. She is going off to Officer Candidate School. Wow. On the night. Yes. Screamy summer camp. It'll be so much fun. Oh yeah. Many many push-ups. Yes. <laughs> Miles of and running. Obstacle courses and things like that. You're great for the running. How are you on the push-ups? I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you rattle out forty? Yeah, well, excuse you. What are you insinuating here, Dan? I'm just asking. Just All asking right. the questions as a good tech journalist should. He's trying to figure out whether you've been his personal best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the answer is always yes. Ah, okay. And we have Henry Newman live from his commando bunker in Las Cruces. How's it going, Henry? I'm not in Las Cruces, Dan, once again. I'm in Messia, which is a suburb of Las Cruces. A bedroom community to Las Cruces. <laughs> it's like Beaverton to Portland. Or Lake Oswego or something. Oh, even better, yes. Or Scarsdale to New York. Very nice. <laughs> well, Damn so sense. we're all here. And we're all here virtually, as we always are, almost always. But that leads us right into our topic in another masterful segue. <laughs> there is some news afoot about HPC virtualization and our pals at Dell are pushing it, primarily with the idea of doing hardware virtualization for AI workloads. And they're using their VMware guts and uh, Bitfusion, which was purchased recently. Uh, By VMware, VMware. Yeah, VMware bought Bitfusion. Right on. Bitfusion was uh, also one of our guests and speakers at Startup HPC some years back. Come out of uh, UT Austin. And we're doing really good work, and it's a great success story for startups that came out of the HPC world and have done well. Yes, very cool. So, anybody have any initial thoughts? I have initial thoughts. You just said some thoughts. <laughs> uh, I shall share my initial thoughts now. So, um, virtualization helps a lot when you are trying to improve utilization. If you remember the whole genesis of it back in the beginning part of this century was excess capacity in servers. And over-provisioning servers was something that you had to do by a factor of three or four or five to be ready for peaks. And was, virtualization was a way of getting better utilization out of systems. So That was pioneering work on my part in the early mid-90s. Indeed it was. Dano, uh, I'll have you know, was uh, the first, well, one of the first, if not the first. Let's go uh, ahead and just say the first. Why not? Just yes. make, it, make it easy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was going to check. <laughs> uh, 
to pursue server consolidation, which became a giant industry trend and uh, variously called uh, centralization or... Uh, virtualization. Vir- yeah, exactly. So virtualization, virtualization. Well, virtualization was a method to accelerate server consolidation. And so you yeah. could... So you could essentially break up servers into smaller servers that could be better utilized. And because average utilization was something like 10%, maybe 20%, unless you were a mainframe that had much better workload management capabilities and you could push it to because you were to 100 or too. above. I don't know about that. I just think they had designed it like that from the beginning. And we were trying to do the same things within Solaris with workload management and fair share scheduling and application isolation and gang scheduling and this, that, and the other. But virtualization short-circuited that by just giving you your own server within a server. So this is a very good thing because, as you all know, I've been looking for GPU utilization data, and I keep not finding it. And this article says that, on average, it's something like 15%, and I think they're being generous. I, my calculations are more like 7 to 10%. So you got a lot of capacity that you bought that you really could be using. And if you can virtually pool them then you can share them, and pooling and sharing is really the trick. Well, but but Gene, the issue is, and always will be, is especially with a deep computational density that GPUs have, is how much work do you have versus how much it's going to take to move? Well, sure, but if you have multiple users, then they can Even fill if each other. Multiple users. And because you don't have you don't have unlimited memory in the GPUs, you have a memory limitation. You've got to you've got to partition your problem correctly, and you yes. got to move all the data from where you are, unless you're totally right on the GPU, to where it needs to go, and then back. Yes. So your computational density has to be high to justify the movement. And the farther away you put it, the farther away, uh, the longer it's going to take to justify the distance. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah. But the, the assumption is that you've got unutilized, but the assumption is you've got unutilized capacity and any utilization of that is better than nothing. Well, but not utilization just for utilization's sake. If you're Correct. not solving the problem faster using exactly. TPUs faster than the in and out of it, then you're not saving yourself anything. And yeah, that's what totally needs to be started. Well, thank but that's you. like saying if you no. can't use a GPU, don't use it. Well, thank you. Well, maybe that's no, 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 Gene, no, no it is not. It's not saying that. It's saying that this architecture might be such that using a GPU is no longer the best approach because if given you were really close, a GPU might have made sense. Now you're from far away, your computational density doesn't justify it given the latency. It also depends on how much of that algorithm is GPU compliant. Not all of them are all the way through. But now, now, now you and I diverged in. Now you and I diverge. It, to me, it, it's solely based on how much time you spend on the GPU versus how much time you spend on the CPU and how long it takes you to get from the CPU to the oh, GPU. No. We're still saying we're still saying the same thing, Henry. I'm just saying that some algorithms that are you know GPU compliant, they might use the GPU for one percent or two percent of the calculations, as opposed to the perception that if it works on a GPU, then it all runs on a GPU. That's exactly right. That's why you have excess capacity to begin with. 
Yeah. But it is something that's going to need to be weighed carefully, and you're going to have to performance model these things, this, this environment, to see if this is something that works for you. Right. So if your system is using the local GPU only 15% of the time, it is possible to offer it to another system that doesn't have a GPU or wants more of it to take advantage of it. And of course, because it's like 90% that's available or 80% that's available, it implies that there is enough capacity there to make it worth your while to make a trip. No, no, I, I'm going to disagree completely. I completely No, I'm trying to agree with you. I'm saying depending on the application, you may very well be uh, better off doing so. No, but you guys are looking at this as, oh, it's using the GPU for this amount of time during the application run. My point is a lot of these applications go back and forth between the GPU and CPU many, many times. Yes, that's right. A small loop, and that's not going to work. Yeah. I agree, Henry. And actually, an example from my own life is processing video. Do I want to, depending on the size of the video, my laptop has a discrete GPU and it can crank something out just fine? Or do I need to move it to the mighty Cyclops and let four GPUs have at it? But that move through gigabit Ethernet takes time. Yes. Yes. So you do have to qualify for it. Yes, but it is. But my point is, it's different. Dan. you're moving all the data one time and then making it. A lot of these applications are only using a GPU intermittently, and if you move the GPU far away, that intermittent usage makes no sense given the amount of computational density versus the data move. No, I understand what you're saying. We're if still, the we're GPU still is available thing, every right? other millisecond, it may not be worth your while. Yes. So, like, Dan and Henry, you're saying that there needs to be a framework or a benchmark to justify whether or not you should be using the virtualized GPU pools it's, or not. It's worse than that. You're going to have to test out every workload you have in multiple situations to see if it's worth it for you. Ooh, okay. Well, what if you said, well, but it's data case, probably data case dependent, Dan. But if you set yourself up like that, then if you pool all your GPUs and let BitFusion handle it, then it can do workload scheduling on that pool of resources in a way that makes more of those apps work than if you're trying to do it on a case-by-case case yourself, right? So that's one thing. The other, the other thing we ought to mention is that the new GPU from NVIDIA that we covered a couple episodes ago gives you this partitioning capability that allows you to split it into seven uh, physical GPUs and actually isolates resources to address the problem that uh, Henry's talking about. Yeah, that will definitely help. But I have a feeling that BitFusion can go a bit more granular than that. And I don't know that for sure. Agreed. Sch and BitFusion can handle this stuff, the complexity of scheduling and knowing what the algorithms are and the computational density within it, how many times it goes back and forth to a GPU and all of that stuff has just gotten way, way, way complex. Yes, I agree, I agree. So do you think that the barrier to entry into using this sort of system is going to be sort of the, the kill switch for it? No, I no? think okay. people will just dive in. I think the okay. barrier is how many GPUs you put in your pool. Sort of my philosophy of life, Jesse, fire, 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 ready, aim. That's what Dan has. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah. That's what I'm thinking. That's how I okay. think that this is going to be adopted. I think it will be adopted. 
oh, I think it's a great idea. And if you do have more than a handful of GPUs, you got to pull them together. There's, yes. It's a, it's and, a no-brainer. And I've always advocated that too. But there are some valid points with the data movement that Henry's talking about. That is definitely sure. has to be a consideration. And, sure. and we don't have the tools. We do not have the tools. And we don't have the understanding of, of the environment and the feedback loop from the schedulers and from the tools to the application that are going to make this run efficiently. It's not going to work well in the beginning, in my opinion. Henry, could something like uh, IBM Spectrum do this? The old platform LSF stuff that's been brought up. Anything could do it, but how do you much? How do you, how do you know what your computational density is at the GPU? And how many times you go back and forth? And how much data you move? But but Henry, this is not Henry. This is not. This is not early days for this. They've been at this for like a better part of a decade. I have an answer. AI, Henry. <laughs> Fight down hard on that. AI. <laughs> Artificial intelligence. Right. And I, I thought you were agreeing with me for the once in radio creation. No, we're still agreeing. We're still agreeing. But I, I think there are ways to do it that we just don't have them yet. He's just doing it in a disagreeable way. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, we'll be watching that to see what happens. I do think it's going to have some growing pains but it is a cool thing and ultimately will be used widely. Just saying. Yeah. So, Henry, is there any reason this week why nobody should ever be online? Ever? Well, there's so many reasons this weekend. And I wanna do I wanted to do two, but I'll save the really good one for next week. So because that's a that's a post-COVID really good one. Um, so when people start traveling. But mine for this week is, it came out of Yahoo News, uh, that uh, Russian agents are widely attacking the XM mail transfer agent, which runs on Unix systems, and there was a patch identified 11 months ago. And they're attacking these mails, creating special accounts, and creating havoc and putting... uh, all kinds of viruses and cyber attacks and businesses all over, especially Europe right now. And I'll put the link up. So let me see if I get what you're saying, that these guys are doing a man in the middle on email? Basically, yeah. That's a great way of putting it, Dan. That's really totally accurate. Because they got into the mail transfer agent that runs on most Unix systems called Exxon. And they, that's their man in the middle. Dang. Is there still much Unix out there on the internet backbones? Uh, oh, Linux yeah. is Unix, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Linux, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, you said but, Unix. But, but since, since in the pre-call we brought up Solaris, I thought I'd, put, I'd use the generic term. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> but also there are so many of them that it's impossible for all of them to be patched. Yes. So you, yes. Are, you are going to find unpatched versions. And of course, the whole idea of having executables received as a message is something that is so helpful and so cool when you need it, but also exposes you. Yes. That's a good reason to never be online, Henry. Yeah. And, or, or receive any email from Europe or Unix, <laughs> Unix Linux space in Solaris space systems. 
The unpatched. Wow. Carrier pigeon only. Good to know. Very good to know. Speaking of things that are good to know, it's time for the catch of the week. Jesse, what's up? You're right. So for my catch of the week, it is another podcast. Since people listen to this podcast and it's a tech podcast, this uh, is not very many people. Actually. Six, 16 people. <laughs> we got so we got some people. 18, we got 18 back because for that. we had a winner, Jesse. 18. Oh, okay, that's 18. true. That's true. 18 people listen to this Oh, is that podcast. our new formal party line? 18. That's true. We have proven. We have proven it. Well, there's some intermittent, but let's let it go at 18. <laughs> and Jesse's actively trying to get them to listen to other things. Because- <laughs> yes. You know, I'm doing my part. All right. Anyway, back to the point. <laughs> the Modern Figures podcast is something that I've been listening to, um, and it is a really good tech podcast. It guest stars black women in computing and their stories and perspectives on a whole bunch of technical, societal, and personal topics. It's co-hosted by Dr. Jeremy Waysom and Dr. Kayla McCullen, who are both two fabulous individuals. Dr. Waysom is a postdoc associate at the University of Florida, and Dr. McMullen is a tenure track faculty member also at the University of Florida. So go give their podcast a listen to. It is really interesting, and it's really well done. Um, we'll have links to that. As a substitute to other podcasts. In conjunction with. No, actually as a substitute to all other podcasts except this one. (laughs) Perhaps. Yes. But it is, in all seriousness, Jesse, great find. This is excellent. What nice job. Please go give them a follow. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got, Henry? Um, I I have another security-related one. (laughs) Shocking. Yeah. This this one was good. So a bunch of academic centers in in Europe – uh, were attacked to be able to do cryptocurrency mining. That's kind of cool. Oh, wait, so it's no, like, it's not. It would be the equivalent, <laughs> it would be the equivalent and, and I'll put the link up, it'd be the equivalent of hacking NSF sites, you know, TAC, uh, NCSA, PSC, you know, all that, uh, San Diego or any of the big, big NSF supercomputer sites. It would be the equivalent of them getting hacked and running cryptocurrency uh, algorithms in the background, and they made it look like that there were no issues because one of the things they attacked was the the red green light called traffic light protocol, uh, which says that everything is good. <laughs> so it's getting pretty sophisticated out there. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, any idea on how much they hauled in? No, I don't. I, I'm sure someone does knows, but. I haven't been okay. seeing anything written. That's pretty cool. No, I mean wrong. Sorry. <laughs> cool in a terrible way. Yeah, it's really wrong. So, uh, did you, you just have the one catch, Henry? That's my only catch. Okay. Shaheen, what do you got? I've got hot chips. So, hot chips number 32, the conference that we all look forward to every year, is now available for registration. The advanced program is out. And it's going to be August 16th to 18th. Uh, first day is, I think, tutorials. Uh, but it's obviously something that we really look forward to with all the news that they share and the technology. This year, it's virtual. I think they're kind of reserving the possibility, but at this point, it's all kind of going to be virtual. I think they're going to record it live, but with no audience. Anyhow, go to hotchips.org, hotchips.org, and register away. 
it's great and it's even more affordable than before. They always do a really good job of making it sufficiently affordable for like the actual practitioners to show up. Uh, and this year it's even better than that. So I really look forward to it. Would you say it's a price performer then? I think it's a bargain. Okay. Very nice. Of uh, my own catch of the week, damn it, we're back in space, yo. Fantastic. We are. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. The U.S. is back in space. We launched a couple of guys up, and they're in the International Space uh, Station right now. I think that's pretty cool. That is very cool. Are they going to stay there? Or are they going to be able to get them back? <laughs> uh, they're going to be there for one to four months. One to that's four a, months. That's a lot of windage on that. One to four months. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that a little bit short for how long folks usually stay at the ISS? Oh, I think you start wearing out your welcome after the first couple of weeks. <laughs> just well, like, kind of like, getting each other's about, like, way. The, t- the time zone for which NASA astronauts spend. Because it's super, super expensive to get you up there in the first place. Yeah, I thought it was more like six months. That's part of the deal, though, is that you're paying Russians, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 80 million dollars to fly your guys up there. And they're charging extra for baggage. (laughs) And there's very little to eat. Anything You can't get anything for free. Water is free. You can't use the restroom. You got to pay for that on the way up. This is just a much, much better deal. But think of the frequent flyer miles. <laughs> yeah, if the program is ever any good, but you're blacked out all the time, Shane. You only have like two or three opportunities a year. Then they put fees on top of that. You're still paying $80 million. Do you get lounge access? Yes. Actually, I got to – okay, I'll take that back. You do have – uh, lounge access, but only in Moscow and uh, St. Petersburg. Wow. Dan's last Soyuz launch really did him dirty. <laughs> it did. I'm not. I'm not wild about. It. And the return flight is horrible. <laughs> you land in the middle of nowhere under parachutes. Come on. Kazakhstan is nice this time of year. Thank you. Yeah. Right. I mean, I would rather land. I would rather land in the the lovely Pacific. Je- Jesse, would you rather go to Kazakhstan or OCS? Can I have both? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to miss you while you're away, Jesse. We are. We are. Yeah, I'll miss you too, Dan. <laughs> wow. Wow. Kidding. That's your, that's your party shot. Wow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? Oh, no. Because of that, you're going to get lots of mail. <laughs> and cookies, I'm going to send you the wrong platoon donuts, number just because of that. I'm going to call and imitate your dad and say, I haven't heard from Jesse. Could you please give, give, give me an address for her? I will mm-hmm. FedEx stuff to you that's going to make you vastly unpopular with the drill instructors. <laughs> to anything out of the RFHPC grab bag. Uh huh. Except I'm going to spray paint Marine Suck on it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this, kids, is how you get bullied. <laughs> it's not bullying if you started it. Okay, okay. Okay. So be nice and be careful and have a great time, although it'll be like like you call it, yelly summer camp. Yeah, screamy summer camp. Screamy summer camp, even better. Anybody else have, you guys want to wish Jesse a, f- a fond farewell or what? I already yeah. did privately, Dan. I don't need to do it publicly. 
a public display of emotion like that, Henry, would be most unlike you. It's too much for robots. Don't don't ask. It's too much. <laughs> he'll cry and then he'll get all frozen up and we'll have to oil him. Gene, would you like to take this it's, opportunity? It's to... not part of my algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let me be the only one. No, 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 no. We want to wish, wanna, you, wanna wish you well. You're going to do well and wonderful as always. And we're going to miss you. And uh, just let us know if you get some uh, free hours to uh, dial into a call. Okay, we'll we'll do. Or if you decide to bail in the middle of the night and you need an Uber pre-positioned Absolutely for you. Absolutely not. <laughs> just saying. No. <laughs> if you need to go over the wall, give me a call. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's like I'd trust the Army for that. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go ahead and call this an episode of Radio Free HPC. Thank you all out there for listening, and thank you for staying safe. Uh, drop us an email at... What is it? Drop us an email at podcast <laughs> at Radio Free HPC or hit us up with a tweet on the Twitter that you might know about. And our handle there is at Radio Free HPC. Stay tuned for more content. Stay tuned for more contests. I still have a lot more stuff to give away and we will talk to you soon. Thanks again. Boom. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. And as a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thank you for listening. <laughs>